0: This is Tales from the Pros where business leaders and influencers share their stories of inspiration, struggles and successes. And I'm your host, Michael Giorgio. Hey everyone, happy Friday. Welcome to Tales from the Pros. This is Michael Giorgio, your host and co-founder of Imagine Innovation. I have an awesome guest with me today. His name is James Kaiser, or as you all know him in the electronic music scene as J Tech. Uh, J Tech, should I call you J Tech or James? What do you actually like better?
1: <laughs> well, my friends call me Jimbo, so uh, Jimbo. we can roll all with right. that.
0: Yeah. Well, cool. So you get you get people calling you different different names, or is it just always Jimbo?
1: Uh so I, I've I've been stuck with Jimbo since I was about 14 years old. My dad calls me Jay, which I think is where JSEC came from. But yeah, like any any of those variations is fine, you know. So I'm <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty used to it. So
0: cool, 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 cool. Um so James, originally from Australia, Canberra, correct? Yep, that's right. So yeah, you you, you really made your name playing in progressive music to the trans crowd. Uh, and I know you've been a warm-up DJ of choice for Anjuna Beats, which is a huge record label. Uh, Above and Beyond is under that record label. They're they're the leader of it, actually. And you've been playing iconic in iconic venues around the world, including Hollywood, Palladium, and the Brixton Academy in London. Uh, you've also been a seasoned DJ, playing in clubs in all corners of the world, visiting nearly every festival you could ever imagine, including EDC in Vegas, which I'm sure you guys have heard of, Tomorrowland, in Belgium, and the Electric Zoo in New York City. And also, what's pretty amazing about James is you've been, you're in Juna Deep O2 and in Juna Deep O3 compilations, were both reached number one on the US iTunes Dance Albums chart. Wow, man, that's pretty amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been a crazy ride, you know, and it, it all began when I was basically 14 years old. I was I was doing this kind of musical path ever since i was a kid playing piano and that kind of thing and then yeah it was basically like uh when i was 14 years old i went to this all ages rave party in my hometown and it's just yeah. i was i was mesmerized by these djs and it's just set me on this crazy path that is still going to this day
0: yeah yeah that's amazing man like and and first you know first of all james i want to i want to just say thank you I'm, I'm truly humbled for you to take the time out of your busy busy crazy schedule i know right now you're in portland you have a you have a show tonight Um, And uh, I just want to thank you for for being on my podcast, man. I really appreciate it. So I I can't wait uh, for for you to share your story on how you you really got to where you are today. Um, And, you know, as I told you in the pre, you know, when we just spoke before this, that I've been listening to your music since the early two thousands, and me and my brother are huge fans, and you know, and just trance music, electronic, and house. Um, and I remember you mixing it up with some of the world's best, like Above and Beyond, who I mentioned, uh, Boom Jinx, Steve Smith, Super 8. I mean, this is it's outrageous. Just these amazing artists that you've collaborated with, uh, and that's why I reached out to you. I think you know I consider you a leader uh, in your industry, and and that's really why why. Uh, I wanted to to uh, talk about your journey, man. So thanks again. I really appreciate it. Um, so James, how or Jimbo? So just to kind of kick things you know kick kick things off here. I want to talk about your journey as a DJ and a music producer. I know you started when you were 14 years old. So you started talking a little bit about that. Tell me tell me more about that. How did how did you really what inspired you to to do this?
1: Uh, well, I. Like I said, I grew up with a sort of musical background. I think uh, my my mum and my auntie sort of started teaching me piano when I was about five, and they they would say stuff like "you're you're going to write music for films one day" or "you're going to you know." They they were always telling me that you're going to be this <laughs> this great musician, and I think I, I think that sort of it's this kind of like neurolinguistic programming or or just like this kind of constantly reinforcing this idea that this is what you're good at. I think it actually sort of stuck at some point. Um, and I also grew up with computers. I was, as most people of my generation have, I was sort of, you know, I was glued to like video games and, you know, and then the internet when the internet came around. And so, um, it wasn't long before I sort of connected those two dots and started making music with computers. And it was a really interesting time where people kind of scoffed at the idea, like, like, yeah. cause back then it was about buying, you know, a, a studio full of analog gear with all these crazy synthesizers. <laughs> and hardware compressors and and everything is literally being sequenced on a on a big, a big metal box with with flashing buttons and stuff, and oh so God. then you know along came these kind of uh, initial rudimentary computer programs that did all this stuff for you and and streamlined the process quite considerably. And at first, people thought it was ridiculous, you know. And people people always scoff at at new technology when it comes along and and replaces old fashioned things. So I had a pair of hi fi speakers uh, in my bedroom. And uh, I was still in school, and between all of my sort of classes and the homework that I should have been doing, but probably wasn't, I was um, messing around with beats. And uh, I think it was very puzzling to my parents at first. And there was sort of like, where is this going? You know, this is <laughs> this is this is quite strange behavior, I think.
0: Were they kind of concerned just, with you, though? Were they kind of like, man, I hope this guy doesn't get into the music industry? Because, you know, you always hear, you know, at least I always hear all these rumors that it's it's just crazy. Being It's 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 so tough. The music industry is very cutthroat, right? It's just very tough to even just try to dabble into it.
1: You know what, I think at that stage, um, I mean, firstly, that hadn't even occurred to me because I think when I was 16, I was quite starry-eyed and assumed that, you know, you become a musician and then, you know, you you write a track and somebody notices it and sets up this magical career for you, which does happen sometimes, you Mm know. But I think for my parents, I think the idea of doing a music career was actually, you know, that was something I think they always thought I was going to do. And in fact, I think a recording career and a career in modern music is much more likely to be successful than if you're doing something like classical music. You know, we had other members of the family who had taken that route and had, you know, been playing doing performance piano and stuff and um that's I think a, a much more difficult world actually because right. I think in 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 the in the realms of traditional music you have to be the absolute best or you go home. It's it's sort of like mm-hmm. going for gold in the Olympics, you know. It's it's that kind of level of risk, you know. Um So I think, yeah, I think they weren't particularly worried about that. And and to their credit, they basically said to me, we'll let you, you know, they, they sort of cut me a deal, which was, you know, they said, we've, you know, worked quite hard to, to send you to this, uh, nice private school in, <laughs> in my hometown in Australia. Oh my God. And we, we, we would love it if you could like apply yourself and just get, get through it. And, you know, and like, we'll of course let you like nourish this, this interest that you have. Mm-hmm. So they certainly never, they certainly never tried to stop me from do it, doing it. And like I did sort of um, get through school because by, by my last year of high school, I was so ready to be in this world. I was already, I think I'd already signed my first track, um, by the time I was in the 12th grade. And so, you know, um, I was getting into this scene before, you know, before I'd even left school. Um, and so, yeah, it it is an interesting, I'm sure it must be interesting for parents to sort of, (laughs) to, to, to have their children discover this kind of thing but i think it's a testament to the fact that you know if, if if it's something your child is passionate about then you know they have you they have to explore it you know they have to explore it to the fullest extent so yeah um so as soon as i finished school i was just like 100 percent into this kind of thing mm-hmm. um started started touring you know um I, got, I think my first international gig was um in japan and they sort of said we, we want to bring you to tokyo and um we want you to play a live show rather than DJing. And so I spent all this time putting together this live show, which I played at this uh, amazing club in Tokyo called Ageha. And I must have been like 19 or 20 years old or something, you know, by that stage, you know? Um, Oh yeah. And I, and I'd done a couple of South American tours with a fellow DJ from Australia, Matt Rowan. And um, so, yeah, it was this really crazy time, you know, um, sort of, taking flight from australia and starting to get out into the world and just it was just this time of me being a teenager and partying Mm -hmm. lots of my friends and just getting my music played on radio shows and you know i i would release a track and um you know i'd have sort of djs from overseas writing me and being like we played this track to like twelve thousand people at a festival you know um and so i had all this good news rolling in all the time it was this very exciting time you know of of just like steadily releasing music and and getting the whole world to sort of take notice of it, you know.
0: And so you kind of I'm felt like gonna, it was yeah. meant to be. You felt I, I know you talked about you since you were a kid, you were always super passionate. You had kind of all these, um, you know, you had you you uh, have experience in piano. I remember, is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So with that being said, and your kind of experience with uh, electronics, like the 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 computer tools and uh, synthesizers, all the all those kinds of things, it was just and along with your your passion for music you kind of felt like this is really what you wanted to do as a kid because you, you know you know later you know you always hear these stories right about uh actually even my sister is kind of like this i hate to say it. she's gonna listen to this she's gonna hate me for telling for telling people this but even my sister it took her so long to really find out what she wanted to do you know what i mean i don't i still don't even know if she wants she knows what she wants to do um yeah. And, and that's the thing is you're kind of like me when you were a kid, you always had this passion for something and you actually executed it and you just stayed with it and you stayed consistent with it. And that's what I want you to, to kind of talk about is, is what was it like for you to break through that noise and clutter in such a competitive industry? Because even here in North Carolina, there's so many aspiring DJs in all different music scenes. So what led you to how, how did you actually break through that clutter? to brand yourself, to, to travel around the world, to, brand, um, you know,
1: I, well, I think, you know, I think I had a very one track mind as far as my future was concerned. Um, I only did well in two subjects in school, which is music and German. And I ended up being a musician living in Germany for six years. So yeah. I guess that worked out. So I think, um, uh, you know, I think maybe a lot of people in life, um, when it comes to the, the skills that they learn and the passions that they have, they, they cast a very, uh, Wide net that is that can be somewhat shallow whereas I was very narrow and deep, you know I had these mm-hmm. very specific things that I was into these very specific things that I was good at yeah, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and I think just the drive to you know um, Just to keep doing that and yeah when I was 14 I, I was incredibly lucky to have this this just this idea of how to live like my life just hit me out of left field You know it just it was like a smack in the face of like here here is here is a path here is like a destiny to follow you know Mm -hmm. um and yeah i think that just coupled with the belief that i could sort of take on the world you know i think you know i would i would play my and and, like this music was honestly like before i was releasing records like some of the music i was writing i listen to it now and by today's standards it's it's rubbish you know it's terrible but i was playing it (laughs) back then and people were like, "This is this is really going to go places. Like this is this is going to be great." So I always had people saying this to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I always had my eyes just set on taking over the whole world. You, know?
0: you had <laughs> like, that reassurance, people. You don't have, you know, you 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 probably got brought up the same way I did, right? In terms of like, you don't want to brag about yourself, but if people are bragging about you and saying good things about about you without you even kind of being cocky or even uh, overconfident people are talking about you, which that for me, at least that's a sign that you're doing things right. If people are bragging about you, 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 that's another sign that man, maybe I really need to pursue this, you know?
1: Yeah. You know? And, uh, so that was basically just sort of building and building. I I started a record label of my own for a while. And, um, so initially, that was called Red Seven Records, and that was we're talking like vinyl releases, like this is old school. Um, so this is this is another thing is people were also scoffing at the idea of of playing uh, DJing off CDs back then. Mm-hmm. They were like, if you if you're not playing off vinyl, then then you're not a real DJ. Um, which obviously went out the window after a while, but, uh, so yeah, basically we, we were releasing records for a while. I, the distributor went bust and sort of, um, a whole, you know, like a ton of labels all got wiped out at the same time, um, wow. because this, this, this distributor basically just like went bankrupt overnight and disappeared and like, yeah. And so the last release that I put out myself, um, I think James Grant from, uh, from Anjuna beats slash Anjuna deep. Uh, yeah. 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 He's
0: like one of the founders of the label, right?
1: So, he, yeah, he's yeah. the brother of John O'Grant, who's um, one third of Above and Beyond, and he's also basically Above and Beyond management and head honcho of Anjuna Deep. And so he, he got in touch sort of on behalf of Anjuna Deep back Incredible. in 2007.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he said, yeah, what's the deal with this latest track that you're putting out? We really like it. Um, can we release it? And I sort of said, what's well, already kind of in the release schedule? Um, and we, it's, our hands are tied with it. It's, it's kind of already coming out on vinyl and stuff. And he said, "Well, if if we can't release it, we'll help you promote it because we think it's really cool." And so they they right. included it on, uh, I think it was Above and Beyond's Anjuna Beats. I should really know this. Above Anjuna <laughs> Beats Volume Five, I think it was. Yeah. And so it was this. It was the it was the final track from this label that had just basically got got wiped out. <laughs> mm. Um. And so yeah, and that was the first sort of Anjuna Beats appearance that I had. And then uh, later that year, they invited me to come to India to open for them at the sunburn festival in goa so that was the first time i ever went to india um and i met the whole team you know everyone was there putting on this you know this big anjuna beats party as they are well known to do right um and so i met everyone and we we kept in contact and i started releasing music with them and they sort of said well if you came over to the uk we could you know we can help you get set up you can come work in this in our studios you know you can and so yeah that was kind of that was the start of it I, w- I went to the uk when i was 22 years old and um the rest is history you know that was basically 10 years ago now and, and that kicked
0: um, off your career right that and JunaBeats, signing with junabeat's label which is one of the best, biggest in the world that that's really what kicked things off for you right yeah, yeah.
1: um but it, it it was also a time when they were really sort of very interested and focused on uh, the undiscovered artists. And I think to this day they still are, you know, these these records that perhaps deserve to be in the spotlight but haven't been discovered yet. And yeah. I think that's that's been something that's been very exciting for me as well. Like I run a, a monthly radio show and podcast um, where basically I'm just trying to unearth artists all the time. So we get sent a ton of music from these up-and-coming uh, producers mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and by sort of putting the spotlight on them in my, in my podcast either as guest mixers or just playing their music um, – it helps give them a leg up into the industry as well. Because like you said, it is about a lot of people crying out to be, to have, to have their music heard, you know, and, and to have a, like a platform for it to be heard. So that's, that's basically been the dream ever since. And uh, yeah, it's still going to this day.
0: That's amazing. That's cool. And and I, I read your story about, uh, I remember you're talking about Goa India. So Anjuna, you said is, is a beach. Is that how they kind of came up with the Anjuna beats name? That's pretty cool. I think
1: so. Yeah. And, and, (laughs) Uh, the logo is actually a wingding. It's part of the wingdings font that um, they've just like adjusted a little bit. So you actually do, you actually do see the Anjuna logo, that ribbon, that iconic ribbon logo. You see it in other people's logos uh, every now and then, because it is actually, it's from the wingdings font.
0: <laughs> that's that's cool, man. That's cool. Uh, so, yeah. so backtrack a little bit here. So you, you know, you start when you're 14 years old. Um, you've, you've found a lot of, I mean, obviously you had a, a passion for, for music, electronic music. Uh, you, you've, it seems like you were pretty um, savvy with computers as well. And you had experience with, with piano and that helped with, uh, you know, you creating your own songs and things like that. And then, so you, you, with that being said, a lot, aside of your passion, do you feel that it was a lot of being at the right place at the right time? And with consistency over time, that's how you got your opportunity at, at Injuna beats. Cause I want, I want aspiring DJs and producers to, to really know, the, the steps that you took to signing with that label, you know?
1: Um, so I think intention is a, is a very important part of it right. because if if you spend your whole life intending to do something and working on it, like you are going to have some lucky breaks at some point and you're going to have yep. some unlucky ones as well. I agree. So um, a similar question has been asked of like a, a bunch of artists. And I know, I know a lot of artists in this industry get art, sort of, you know, the question comes up like, were you in the right place at the right time? Like, mm-hmm. is there an element of luck to this? absolutely. Uh, but conversely you you can have a music career as long as you're prepared to have one, you know, and as long as you're prepared to be in the game and to keep working at it, you're going to have a career. That's, that's the definition of it, you know? Um, so, you know, I've never, I've never liked the idea of, winning anything by chance you know it's never it's never been particularly exciting for me so i I think you know uh i think the getting noticed in the first place it was still the product of years of trying to figure this music out and you know working really hard on it and and developing my own sound and uh yeah you know i I think it ultimately comes down to you know developing yourself as a person and then your music reflects in that so you know um
0: and being so, yeah, unique, I, you you were your music was unique in the sense you you had this progressive type trance, you know uh, emotion that that had a lot of emotion in your in your beats as well, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I think something that actually helped me was the fact that everything I did was experimental and by trial and error. You know, I was yeah. I was using weird software, and um, I, there was certainly no guidebook for this kind of thing back then. There were no tutorials on how to do anything um, because it was all so new, and it and it wasn't being taken quite seriously. Um, and so I think that, that kind of gave me a bit of a leg up because I wasn't coming at music from such a traditional standpoint, you know, right, and to, and right. to that end, you know, uh, writing very traditional sounding records is not my forte at all, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it is about, it's being uniquely yourself and being yourself to the fullest extent that you can, I think is, is the best way forward.
0: Right. No, I completely agree. I, I think that's, you know, uh, James, I think that's really, uh, not just business or I, I think that's being your own person in general. Um, if you want to be successful and achieve goals and, and, um, have a, uh, an amazing career and what you want to do, what you're passionate about. I think it's a lot about trial and error. I, I completely agree with you. It's even the same with me and my company and, and being in tech. And, uh, even in this podcast, I think it's a lot of trial and error and, uh, takes a lot of consistency. And, um, yeah, I, I think, being at the right place, at the right time, does play a role into it, but I really like what you said about it's not only that. I think, like you said, it's it's really just um, being unique and have have having the skill set to offer value to to um, your audience, right? And then people loving what you do. And it seems like that's what you know. I, I've heard your music for for years, and there were, definitely was something different about it. It gave you this emotion, you know, just this peaceful emotion uh, when you listen to it. it. It didn't make you uh, want to go crazy it was just a very nice just soothing soothing music at least for me um and I think that played a, a huge role in your you being unique correct I
1: would think so yeah um I was always kind of the uh like you actually like you said before like yeah. it was the progressive progressive music for the trance crowd so I think um like for me from from like a progressive house and for the for people who aren't familiar progressive house is kind of like it's taking house music and making it like more melodic and more storytelling and a bit more cerebral. Yes. And then trance is faster and and more pumping and and, and makes you want to jump up and down and and lose your mind. So that's the kind of difference, you know? And so, um, although I was always like a progressive house artist, I, I, because of this sort of the, like the, the entry point into this world that I had, Mm -hmm. I was, I was finding throughout my whole twenties, I was finding myself at trance parties all around the world. And so, yeah, I was playing this music that to me is kind of like as rocking and pumping as I want it to be. Um, but then, you know, after that, you know, and so it, after that, it, it sort of turns into trance. And uh, so I, I just found this this great little niche where I was kind of doing what I wanted to do to the fullest extent, um, you know, and then it was such a fun time of night to play because it's getting the crowd warmed up. And by the time I am finished, everyone's super excited for the trance, you know?
0: Yeah, um, yeah. You adapted to yeah. the trends. You you were, it was kind of first progressive in house and then now it's uh, then it kind of mer- you merged you evolved into more of the trance type music and then as you see now there's a lot of this um, is it dubstep? You know like uh there's all these dubstep artists now it's just it's so fast paced it's crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I would say it's sort of now it's sort of evolved from dubstep into trap and trap. what you're seeing what you're seeing now is that every, all of these all of these terms are actually kind of disappearing, you know, like there's, <laughs> yeah. there's like synth wave and like, there's all, all all, this, some of these like tropical house and future house and like some of these genres, I don't even, I don't even like know what it is, you Crazy. know? Um, yeah. But I think what's changing a bit is that I think nowadays that's all these borders between the types of music are, are dissolving a little bit and mm-hmm. you can just really write whatever you want. Um, which once again comes back to, you know, you're writing yourself. You're, the music that you're putting out is, is the sound of you. And so it doesn't have to adhere so much to kind of preconceived guidelines like it used to.
0: That's cool. So, so Anjuna Beats allows you to be more creative, all right, as an artist. They don't they don't tell you this is exactly what you play or you think it's kind of a mix of both?
1: Uh, so there are still de- definitely some frameworks, yeah. um, basically because Anjuna Beats has such a characteristic sound and so um i think with anjuna beats the 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 creative freedom to do any kind of style you want comes when you're releasing an album if you're doing a single uh there is sort of there is a necessity just to achieve a certain effect on the dance floor which does sort of i mean i don't want to say limits but it definitely it provides a framework that that works really well you know um makes sense yep and so yeah this is this is actually sort of where i where the the starting point of my label, Positronic, which runs alongside the releases that I do on Anjuna Beats. Um, it's, it's this great little sort of underground label that harkens back to the days of early Anjuna Deep and, uh, and sort of carrying that sound into the future and um, basically uh, peppering sort of the Anjuna Beats, between the Anjuna Beats releases that I come out, which is sort of nowadays more on the trancey side, Ah, uh, Positronic. I started to actually uh, to be a platform for whatever kind of underground stuff that I feel like. Because the music, when you, especially when you work with a label for so long, um, yeah, the music that you do doesn't always fit in with uh, the fan base that they have. You know, there are there these different circles. You know, you've got your fan base, you as an artist. You've got your label's fan base that are into that label's sound. Um, and so Positronic basically was a way for me to put out all the music around what I was already doing, uh, a way to sort of branch out and diversify a little bit. Um, So I did my third album myself, and that was basically just to see if I could do it, and uh, it worked out really well. And, um, yeah, so now it's about sort of, yeah, just a platform for me to do whatever I feel like in a much more relaxed setting where uh, the stakes aren't as high. You know, like there's there's, there's room for something to be a little more underground and, and a little bit like, you know, more whatever I feel like doing, like a passion project or anything like that. Um, I am about to release some like 110 BPM stuff on the label, which is, which is slower than this entire world. You know, house music, trance music is like 128 to (laughs) 138 or, or even you know, 124 to 138. So 110 BPM stuff is once again, it's, it's this new emerging kind of sound that people are doing that doesn't fit into anything. Um, so yeah, you know, um, so I was doing this sort of more major label type stuff for for a, basically a decade, and now I'm sort of starting to branch out a bit and do sort of this more indie underground thing, which is my little sort of entrepreneurial passion project. So that's yeah. been a lot of fun.
0: Perfect. And and we're definitely gonna be, we're gonna talk a little bit about Positronic uh, later and that kind of venture. But you know, when, when we were talking about you collaborating with other artists, I know we mentioned Above and Beyond. As I'm sure everyone's heard of them. They're they're pretty amazing. Uh, do, does the does Unjuna Beats do they basically partner you up with them? Like do they do they kind of connect both of you or you and any, any other artist per se, not just not just above and beyond, but any other artist? Do they part do they connect you guys together to do an uh like a single or whatever it is or or do you choose them? I just want to kind of I want people to understand the the flexibility that some of these labels uh give their artists and such.
1: Um, so, I mean, Above and Beyond basically started the whole End Beats thing. So they, they, it was it was them sort of all out and, and expressing interest in my music in the first place. Yeah, and um, so yeah, they definitely very much came and, and found me. You know, there was I, and to be honest with you, I had somehow kind of missed the memo with Above and Beyond. Uh, I was a trance fan, and I was I'd been listening to like Paul Oakenfold and Paul Van Dyke and stuff.
0: Paul, but o- somehow, yeah, I know them. Paul Oakenfold, yeah, oh, man. You know, yeah. um,
1: who are all these these iconic trance artists back in like the late nineties. Yeah. Um, um, but somehow I, I had never really come across above and beyond. It had never really, you know, um, they had just never been on my radar. So I think when they reached out, I was like, okay, you know, this sounds, this sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I've gotten to know them like a lot better over the last 10 years and their sound. And yeah. um, it's, you know, and it's, it's great what they do because they do sort of unearth, unearth these new artists and they give them a platform, you know, without them, I would never have been able to play in front of like the such big crowds, you know, like the first came the first time I came to the United States was for a huge tour. Like a like a we were on like a tour bus. Yeah. You know. Um. We were playing in like basically like the best venues that you can play in, and so like my my first experience of being in the U.S. back in 2008 was seeing all of these like big cities, seeing them at their best as part of this huge traveling party. So That's amazing. There. Yeah. That that is. You know. I am very definitely very lucky to have been able to do that. You know. Um, What's the
0: largest audience you've ever played in front of?
1: I, I would say to be about 20,000 people. Jeez. Wow. Um, and th- that's that's only been sort of a few times here and there. And then, you know, um, definitely like a lot of those Above and Beyond shows, they were sort of 10,000 plus people because um, they, they do draw quite a big crowd, you know. Oh, yeah. And um, so it's pretty electric being able to sort of play, you know, by the time I'm finishing my set, you know, I, us- I usually do some sort of crazy outro or, you know, some sort of dramatic ending to the set. And then you have this sort of two minutes of, Ten thousand people all going absolutely crazy. You know, they're like they're, they're at this sort of peak of like being ready to party. You know,
0: that is insane. Um,
1: yeah, so you know, uh, but I guess it, I don't even really think about it anymore. Like because I was doing all these, I was doing all these intense like. Uh, piano competitions when I was young um, <laughs> where you're not you're not allowed to get anything wrong you know you're, you're playing in front of people and you have to get everything right and it's really intense um, whereas in the DJ world you can you can accidentally kill the music and everyone everyone will just laugh and, they don't
0: care yeah it's a different and, audience
1: <laughs> and if that ever happens and I've seen everybody do it and if it happens like I know exactly what I need to do to get the music going again and if the whole sound system like fails me and, and breaks down then that's not really my problem so I'm um, emotionally detached from it now i have no problem playing in front of any size crowd you know and um i think that's why it worked so well is because you know a lot of these nights you know i would sometimes i'd be starting to play at 9 p.m and there was nobody there and i think i would still be happy to just get like have a great time even if even if nobody else has warmed up yet i'd be up there having a good time and you know um so yeah it's, it's always been a very relaxed environment and i think that's why it worked because i was able to sort of get other people to let their head down a little bit and, and get into the group of things.
0: I can't even imagine how tired you get when you're playing until probably four or five in the morning. Right. Or even more. Some, I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been around the world, man. I'll tell you, it's so different here on the East coast. A lot of clubs, they, they, you know, they'll finish at two o'clock, but in Europe or South America or Asia, you're talking about five, six, 7. A.M.
1: Yeah. And it, it used yeah. to be like that in Australia too. You know, and I used to love staying a whole night partying, but now, now it's like give me a great like two hour set, you know, even even like a three hour set and that finishes at like one or two in the morning, and I think that's great, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. not as into staying up all night as I used to be, <laughs> you know mm.
0: that's cool. And so I, I got to ask you this question: What's it like opening for above and beyond? I mean, did you ever think i know you you said you didn't know them much before you you know b- before you really got in the scene, but what when you actually saw how big they're gonna or how huge they were, and they're even bigger now? Um, did you ever see yourself playing with such a, like a, a top artist? You know what I mean? It, it, was it or it, was it just shock of the moment type thing? You know, I and that's the thing. Like it, it's it's crazy how you know these these um, these moments in life just so they're so unexpected. Um, some things have happened in my life. It's just so unexpected that. I couldn't believe it It was such a blessing. It happened in my life. I was like, wow, I I just, I really, really couldn't believe it. But with you performing with them, you know, did you ever see yourself doing that? Or did you already have, you were were this, you know, this young aspiring DJ when you started when you were 14. And uh, you knew that you were good at what you're going to do. And you knew that was your passion. But did you ever think you were going to go so far?
1: Well, I always wanted to light the world on fire. You know, I always, I always wanted to really, really, you know, have an impact. And that's, that's something I still sort of strive for, like to this day. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but it was definitely overwhelming at first, like doing some of these tours to begin with, it was like, you know, um, I think at the height of it, we were doing like six shows a week, you know, there was like for their second album tour, we did, we did six weeks of six shows a week. So it was like 36 cities. Um, and yeah, that's that's really intense. <laughs> like oh, there yeah. are, there are there are some cities that we went and played in that I can't even I can't even remember going to them. Like it's, I haven't I don't know it's like I didn't commit it to memory because we were it was such a blur. Um, so yeah, but you know they're they're such down to earth guys. I think they've got such a sense of humor about everything behind the scenes, um, and they're really really consummate professionals at what they do. Um, and so yeah, I learned a lot from them about you know uh, having like a well oiled machine and yeah. yeah making a show go off without a hitch and just adapting to whatever weird circumstances rise, like the time Jono fell through a hole in the, in the stage or, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, um, cause I think a gig is never, uh, exactly how you expect it to be. You know, you prepare for a show and then when you get there, it's just a different atmosphere every time, you know, it's a different shape of the of room every time, which makes a huge difference to the vibe you know, um, yeah. opening DJs, closing DJs. Sometimes they're amazing. Sometimes they're terrible. <laughs> you know, sometimes they have no concept of, you know, keeping it like somewhat chilled out at the start of the night. You know, sometimes they're just turning it up to 11 from the moment the door is opening. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of chaos. But I think you learn to sort of roll with it and it becomes organized chaos and then it's not so bad.
0: Yeah. And that, that's that's amazing how you had... You know, above and beyond, kind of, it seems like they they mentored you. They they showed you, you. You know, obviously, you had a lot of experience before them as well. You you traveled around the world before you even signed with uh, the label. But it seems like you you kind of found your uh, you found your mentor. You know, a lot of if you if you notice a lot of successful leaders around the world, they have a mentor, and it seems like they above and beyond was kind of your mentor, and they 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 uh, gave you a lot of guidance. And I think that I, I'm sure you can agree that helped you to get to get to where you are today, along with your uniqueness and your sounds and, and, um, you kind of entrepreneurial spirit as well.
1: Absolutely. Because like, it doesn't matter how, how bright a spark you are. If you're, yep. if you're in your early twenties, somebody who is over 30 is going to be able to look at what you're doing and say, here's, here's a dozen ways that you can do it better. You know? Um, I so definitely, that. you know, I, I, lived with Jono for uh, a year when I was, uh, based in London. And so obviously, you know, we were nerding out a lot and, he taught me a lot about, um, you know, red wine and the best ones to drink and stuff like that, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and uh, a lot about music as well, lots of sort of theological discussions about music. And also, um, you know, I, I think one of the other real benefits I had was um, living in the UK was the first time I got to work in a, a really nice studio because up until then I'd been doing sort of bedroom everything, Yeah. Um, you know. And then, you know, there, there, there were like, you know, outside of like – business hours if nobody's using the studio you can use it and they'd be off they'd be off on tour somewhere and i'd be in the studio working on you know in this sort of acoustically treated room um with you know really nice monitor speakers and a really nice studio computer and it was like wow like this is this this is what it feels like to be working on on a proper setup you know um so yeah definitely i think mentors are very important and uh yeah because it it gives it gives you something to set your sights on, you know, mm-hmm. because otherwise you might not necessarily know which which direction things are, are gonna go in, you know?
0: yeah, absolutely. and and and, you know, I want to talk a little bit about branding here. So, you know, we all know you've you branded yourself as jtech uh, and that you know i I don't think that's changed, right? It's pretty much jtech. that's that's your own brand, correct? Yeah, yep. yep. How, do you have any advice or tips or just I mean, anything that you can really give to aspiring DJs in order to brand themselves properly? Do you feel like, because I'll tell you this, I have a lot of friends in this area that that have tried to dabble into the DJ scene and everything. And it just seems like the way they're branding themselves, because remember, I have a marketing background. I've been doing this a long time. Um, it just seems like the way they're branding themselves isn't right. They're kind of using, cause some of them did get signed with small labels and things like that. So they're using the label to kind of brand themselves, but they don't have their own brand. I'm sure. And beats probably told you, Hey, listen, like, even though you're with art with uh, under our label, I want you to create your own brand. Is that right? Yeah. Or how did that work yep. out?
1: Um, so I think the first thing is like, you just need to constantly be working on it. Um, what's that website it's like InternetArchive.org or something it's like this website you can go to and you can type in your website's address and you can see what it looked like in like 2009 or you know in 2002 yeah yeah um, yeah yeah. I
0: forgot the name of it but I know what you're talking about
1: and I've done that a couple of times and gone to my website and (laughs) gone oh my god I can't believe how how like silly and like like immature my branding looks you know um and so yeah I think it's uh I mean, I have like, I have probably too many internet portals to my music. You know, I've got, I've got Facebook and I've got got all this kind of social stuff. I've got my own website, um, which sort of requires constant, like, you know, and and it's, it's, I think it's really about just making it a constantly evolving thing, you know, because it's, 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 I think it's very rare that like an independent musician is going to go and dump like a a bunch of money into having a complete branding package done for them with like logo, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I think, yeah, I think what is most important is that uh, the whole uh, perception that people have of you is constantly being updated and constantly evolving and because people also kind of forget what you used to look like. It's like looking at yourself on Facebook from like one of those horrid like 10 years ago memories that pops <laughs> up when you're like when you're like, you know, like I see these these photos of me and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm this baby faced like drunk guy at a party somewhere and it's like, oh wow, like that's what I used to look like, you know. Man, what was um, I
0: doing, man? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit like that. It's like people don't really dwell on what you were before. And so I think, it, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's about chipping away at things. It's about finding what needs a fresh coat of paint. I was actually talking about this just, uh, with someone else just this morning, yeah. you know, um, we were talking about the Chobani yogurts actually. Chobani, how, yep.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, you know, I know it sounds silly, but it's like, they have just given everything a fresh coat of paint. And, uh, now everyone's talking about how it's like, it's making the yogurt taste more delicious, you know? And, um, so yeah, I think it's like, you're never going to have all the answers of how your brand should look right at once. Um, all you can do is just like keep finding ways to just keep it moving forward. And um, that momentum I think is really important with like the way that you're perceived, you know, the momentum with your social media, all this kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I think you've got to back it up with, with, uh, you know, cool music with a cool product, you know? Um, Absolutely. So yeah, uh, I think having, you know, I've, I've had this logo for quite a long time and I think that's kind of worked quite well. It's like a pretty simple, just, it's just my name in like bold text. I like it. Yeah, it's it's definitely
0: yeah. definitely branded well. I like it.
1: Um but yeah, it's sort of, you know, uh it gets plastered all over the place and it gets put on flyers and things and eventually it just becomes this household thing. So, you know. Um but yeah, I did have um a good friend of mine. He was he was helping me with a lot of the branding stuff for a long time there. And I think it's just, you know, it's just one of those things that evolves over time.
0: Yeah, and, and man, I, I wish I, I wish I had my um my business partner here on the podcast as well. His name is Pete Peranzo. So he, he we have this, we have this uh, unique process in our company. Well, I wouldn't say it's unique, but this cool process, I think, in our company. And I think this, I think that every single entrepreneur, leader, um, musician, artist, everyone who's doing their own thing in the world should follow this. And it's called Kaizen. And what that is, it's it's basically a daily improvement. So you make an improvement every single day um and we have all of our employees do that and i like what you said about branding that it's you're never going to get it right in the beginning you know what i mean it's it's never going to be in fact probably in the beginning it was trash i mean when i looked at our company years ago we're like man did we really make the logo like that it looks bloody awful oh wow you know but now we're like you see how we've evolved because we continuously made improvements. And I like what you said about just con- it's, there's trial and error. Absolutely with branding, but as long as you make improvements and evolve and adapt, uh, towards your audience, but you still, you still stay true to who you are. That's what's going to set you apart from, com- from your competition. And that's, what's really going to keep you in the market. You know? Yeah.
1: Um, I love, I love that whole Kaizen idea. That's great. And, uh, something please else use would- it.
0: Please use it. Kaizen. Kaizen. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah uh so, something else i would say um that's i can't remember where i heard this it was, it was on the, another podcast or something yeah. um but it, it's basically every time a business or a system triples in size it needs to be reinvented and that definitely applies to uh the music world as well like you can you can have success you know you can have a lot of success um and it'll it'll garner you new followers and you know uh your 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 listener base will increase. Your user base will increase. Everything will increase, Absolutely. and there will come a point where you hit a brick wall um, because you, whatever systems you're using to, to get that attention, to get mm-hmm. that, you know that that flow doesn't last forever, it, and you hit a point where you need to reinvent yourself. And this is the this is the turning point in a lot of music musicians' careers where they start to upset their fans, and it's it's a very controversial sort of question of like you know. Um, should you be keeping your fans happy or should you be upsetting them? And, and it's this weird, you know, obviously you don't want to purposefully upset anybody. Yeah, um, but when, sure. you, when, you, when you see an artist sort of perhaps do something kind of underground and they do it for a few years and then they come out with a new album that is a different speed or a different pace or has more vocals on it than you wanted mm-hmm. or is more aimed for radio play than you like, you personally might be upset about it. But I mean, ultimately it's probably the right path um, for this artist. So you, you, so there is this kind of metamorphosis that needs to happen as you grow. Um, and that's, some, that's probably like one of the biggest pieces of of advice I would give to my 20 year old self is, uh, be, 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 prepared to throw everything that's working now out the window at some point and find something new.
0: Oh, I love it, man. I love it. You, you, you me mean you think exactly alike. I, I definitely agree with that. And, uh, I wish I wish uh, Pete was on this podcast because he would have a lot to say about that. He's all about improvements. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are. I think I think if you're trying to definitely be somebody in this world, you can't stay comfortable. You know, you can't just you because because eventually you're going to plateau, right? You're you're yeah. always going to plateau, and I think you have to think ahead and plan and know that things will change, just like you said, and understand. I mean, I, it's good to plan for the future in your career, but understand that there's going to be a lot of obstacles in the way, but I think those obstacles are going to lead you to, to evolving and changing and becoming better. And, uh, I, I think that's great, man. I really appreciate that. I think a lot of people are going to really value, uh, that insight. Um, and so this leads me to this next question. And I know we talked about a little bit before, but I want to talk about your positronic, your vent, your new venture and your, you know, your mentoring up and up and coming uh and aspiring djs and and very talented and skillful djs and i saw some things on youtube about it uh that you're doing but i i I really think like what we just talked about really leads into this question so tell us a little bit about that new venture i know we dabbled into it before but i really want you to get into it here
1: um well it's a hugely different system from uh releasing music through uh the the label in the uk Mm -hmm. um because uh Positronic, now that we've set up the systems to release music, it's incredibly easy to release music. It's almost too easy to release music nowadays, um, which has its downfalls as well, because there are thousands of dance tracks coming out every month. And yeah. the, like basically, um, we've gone from this uh, sort of previous system of writing the track and having an A&R team discuss it and then deciding to invest money into pressing it to a physical product and shipping it all around the world. Mm-hmm. To- Bought on CD or vinyl by people in stores. We've gone from that to being able to write a track, bounce it out of your, render it out of your of your music software, and put it straight onto the market. Um, you know, and so yeah, uh, we use an aggregator s- system called Label Engine, which I'm quite happy with, um, and we've been with them since since day one. We've done a few physical products for some of the EP and album releases, but for the most part, it's digital. Um, I tend to uh, mix and master my own music for the most part nowadays, um, which I I don't recommend people do. But uh, I've been mixing and mastering for quite a long time, and um, you know I'm I'm pretty good at sort of taking the ego out of out of the the finished product. So um, it's worked pretty well for me. Um, so yeah, you know I'll I'll write a track, I'll I'll play it out a couple of times, I'll tweak the mixes and the masters and stuff, and then we just get the artwork done and we upload it into this system, and um, from that point, it just, you know, uh, a few weeks later, it comes out on Spotify. It comes out on Beatport, iTunes, everything. Uh, we can submit requests to have uh, banner ads made on some of these stores. And if, if, uh, you know, if the, um, if the track is deemed worthy by the, 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 the powers that be of this, <laughs> of yeah. this world, um, it can get included in Spotify playlists. It can get, uh, you know, these, these big bet banners on the, on the online portals. Um, and so it's very easy to put this music out and, uh, um, you know, like I said, this this label runs sort of alongside what I'm doing on Anjuna Beats. and Anjuna Beats, um, I would say, like ninety percent of the time, above and beyond, will play it uh, these tracks on their radio shows. Um, which you know, and so just by sort of distributing it, we've got i have got a promo list of all these DJs that I've you know hung out with, played with, partied with over over ten years. Wow. Um, and so we've got these taste maker DJs that you know, um, we want to become this label that uh, you know people. Uh, see in their promo inboxes and and get to the 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 virtual record boxes of of djs and um so yeah it's it's this kind of uh it's this homegrown thing and it it's built upon the fan base that i sort of gained from um being the opening dj for above and beyond and and releasing with angina beats it's it's built upon all of that but it's sort of going off in a new direction where i can just do whatever i want um and that's kind of liberating because when you release music with a big label it takes up to six months to come out. And that's because there's a, there's a lot of work involved and, uh, there's a lot of, yeah. and with a label like Anjuna beats, they have album releases. They have, uh, events around the world that they're constantly putting on these big radio events and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, you need consensus from sort of quite a few people. Um, and so basically the, the setup that we've had for a while is that I send everything that I do to Anjunabeats beats. And, um, I think kind of the most, uh, I've, I've used this word iconic so many times today on this on this show, but um, iconic. Like the, the That's mo- a
0: good word to use.
1: The most noticeable records, I think, um, sort of go to Anjuna beats. But then there's all this stuff that um, you know goes down great in my sets. You know, and uh, some some of these tracks on Positronic, I play them at I play them at every show. You know, and right. um, there have been some really special moments. And so it's just been this way to to have one stream of consciousness from from my brain to people's ears. Uh, with very little in between, um, so you know it's unfiltered. It's often not as refined, I would say, as the as the big label stuff because I don't have as many other professionals getting their ears on it and being like, "Oh, this could be different. This could be arranged a bit yeah. differently." Um, but it's a little bit more honest as well. So um, it's kind of like the difference between being like a, a, a movie actor and having a talk show podcast. It's like, you know, um, I see what you're saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I think when you run your own talk show, like that's when people really get to know you. It's a, So it's a bit like that. It's a, it's, and um, I'm very lucky that I've been able to sort of, I think, exist in these two worlds. It's like I haven't had to choose um, this, you know, wh- like whether I'm part of a bigger label or my own thing, like a lot of people do. I, I'm just doing both. <laughs> you know, I was like, why not
0: both? So is Positronic, I know you, you, you're creating this label, this new label, but uh – is it also kind of a platform? I know you mentioned mentoring up and coming uh, DJs, but are you are you offering like training? Are you are you training them? Are you providing? Um, are you offering like you're actually filming the training sessions so people on YouTube or you know all these other platforms can actually view it? Or is it just music? Is it just uh, like new singles and albums? It's more than that, right? It's a lot more than that.
1: So th- there's a few different ways that I do that. Um, the main one that I did last year was with in conjunction with Sonic Academy, and so they basically um, helped me sort of put together this start to finish um, progressive house tutorial of like how to make a JTEC track.
0: Tutorial, yeah, um, exactly.
1: You know, and uh, I tell everybody to sort of um, really try and absorb all the information uh, in that as much as they can and mm-hmm. then completely forget about it because you know, no, no great record is written like with a, with a step one to 10 start to finish process. It, you know, it doesn't work like that, but you know, uh, the, the main purpose of it is to basically, um, to show the, the sort of the kinds of procedures that I do for everything. Um, and then, yeah, I, we've also got like a Patreon, um, page, which basically people, uh, I've got a, sort of a fan base on there, like, um, people who sort of, uh, become like patrons of the, of the J-Tech machine, so they get like extended podcasts, um, promos from the label, and uh, sort of our our higher contributors on there. They have access to uh, my projects that I have, and so like, like certain tracks that came out and did particularly well. Will cool. now have a way they can sort of show this support, and they can actually access like the pro- the Ableton project that I used, and it's got like a sort of audio commentary from me on like how these things work. Um, so yeah, there's definitely awesome. you know for the people for the people who really want to get inside my head and see how i do all this stuff like they you can definitely more than ever nowadays with artists you can you can get under the hood and tinker around and and see what's going on in there
0: that's cool no i love it i think that's great Uh, i haven't seen too many djs kind of doing that (laughs) not that i know of
1: well it was actually um yeah i mean uh so my my business partner who i run positronic with like the patreon was his idea and I, i really thank him for that because he was you know i've been doing this podcast for Basically, a decade the the music podcast, and he was like, "Well, here's a way to monetize it. You know, you've got all these people out here who probably really want to, you know, like contribute like a few bucks every month to um, to show their appreciation for it, you know, and get you paid for this for this you know podcast that you're providing every month." And right. you know, I think I think anyone doing a podcast that's getting any kind of traction, I would recommend it. You know, um, there are some talk show podcasts that do it, and they, they don't even like they don't even sort of offer anything in return you know they they just get people just showing their support um but it's been a fun way to create like a sort of uh an inner circle of people you know you, you know who your super fans are when they're when they're chipping in 10 20 50 bucks a month to to the cause you know um, absolutely. especially
0: when yeah. you're providing the value that you're providing and and it's good that you're talking you know you mentioned monetization and you can have you you can create all this content and deliver it and and um you know, always be available for your fans and audience, but you definitely got to find ways to pay the bills. You got to find ways to, to, um, you know, to, to bring in that, bring in that, uh, that revenue. Um, but you're also, you're with, with that being said, you're providing value to these people. You're not just, you know, you know, you have all these, um, um, facebook what do they what do they call them um you know when you go on facebook you see all these people that they say they made a million dollars overnight and all this crap right it's it's <laughs> yeah. you, you i've been on some of these webinars i'm just like people are paying money for this like how, how in the world do, that provided no value to me whatsoever but i do i definitely like i, I see the value in positronic i love the tu- tu- tutorials i love people can kind of get inside your head and and i think that itself um is very valuable and i Definitely think it's worth more than a few bucks for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. You you do see these kind of you see these people come online and they're like, I made I made a b- bazillion dollars this yeah. month. I saw I saw like I saw one one post this week that was like somebody had made a fortune um, tapping into this niche niche market of uh, air traffic control people. It was like I made all this money like selling like humorous apparel and and memorabilia and stuff to like That's with crazy. like air traffic control jokes to like the <laughs> air traffic control community yeah, I think stuff like that, I'm, I mean, I, I love the idea of looking at this kind of stuff and applying it to what I'm doing. I don't, I don't really know where, <laughs> how that works. You know what I mean? I don't know how helpful it is. Um, but I, for me, it's definitely been about exploring a bunch of avenues because you never know what's going to really hit, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think, I mean, I definitely ended up, you know, I, I've had long periods of being my own management, being my own booking agent, being my own PR guy, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I've sort of worn many hats many in this hats, yeah. career and for me yeah for me um i think you know it was really i think uh sort of opening up the streams that i had doing things like mixing and mastering having my label you know doing these production tutorials having people tip me every month for my podcast you know um, working diligently on making sure that I'm, I'm i've got some gigs in the works coming up it's all very important you know um yeah, And yeah, I really like the idea of having just hedging your bets a little bit and making sure that you don't have all your eggs in one basket, because in a career as volatile as the music industry, um, you can't always expect a consistency of income. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, I'm definitely in, in the last few years, I've been in this headspace of like, what else can I be? You know, like, what else can I do that's going to be a fun, and even outside of music, you know, um, I love the idea of, of being many different things. Um, that's great. You know, around the, the main thing that you do so yeah
0: that's cool man i man I, I think you know i think you're gonna do even even bigger things than what you've already done i mean um i can just kind of tell from on a business perspective you are thinking not just like an artist because you know a lot of artists and i'm not even talking about just musicians i'm talking about even um i mean i'm talking about even actors and even um you know athletes actually that they they have this amazing skill set right but they don't know business, um, and, and and that's actually hurt them. And you know, with finances, right? Not knowing your finances can hurt you, uh, and not knowing how to brand yourself can hurt you, and not knowing how to monetize your skills and and uh, I mean that can hurt you as well. So I, I love what you're what you're saying here. Just overall about we you know we talked about branding um and monetization monetizing your um your platform positronic and your label uh and and really uh inspiring future um future djs and artists and also talking to your audience and your fans as well giving back to them Uh, we call it um the give back approach actually actually giving the give back approach with content and you're monetizing that so i think that's that's amazing, James. Um, I think, it, like I said, you're going to do big things. So, with all that being said, you kind of giving us a, a high level of your story uh, from you know you're being 14 and to now and playing all over the, around the world. There had to be a lot of struggles that you and you know you went through and you had to overcome. What were some struggles? Some some key some. What are the, some of the largest struggles that you went through and how really you overcame them? Because you know struggles is – I think in order for you to be successful and you to be a leader in anything that you're doing, you have to go through struggle. You have to. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean the the example I always use is uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers um, under a bridge, under the bridge. I'm pretty sure it's under a bridge. Anthony Kiedis having yeah. um, her- like massive heroin issues, you know, and that – that career defining song of his mm-hmm. um, being born from like the lowest point <laughs> of his entire life, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, everyone gets burned. Um, if you do business with a lot of people at some point, somebody's going to steal money from you or oh, yeah. somebody, somebody is going to treat you badly in a way that you just did not deserve in the, in the slightest. And um, that can be a hard thing to get to let go of. And I've also seen people, stop i've seen i've seen that bring people to a halt um i think if if that was going to happen to me it would have happened by now because um i i think there is great power in telling all of these forces trying to pull you down to just go get screwed basically and um to be willing to do what you're passionate about regardless of how many times you get <laughs> t- totally knocked like knocked over oh my um, God! yeah so, I mean, I think the first thing I touched on a little bit before, which is, uh, you know, um, I mean, I don't regret anything, but I wish I had known sooner that I would hit a point where all of my usual systems uh, would stop working because, you know, it was suddenly like, you know, after and perhaps even, you know, having the security of being part of um, a larger well-oiled machine that is working so well, right. you know, I think when it comes to the point of, um having to figure it out yourself you know it's, it's it's like getting kicked out of the nest a little bit it's like okay you've, you've had this all sort of arranged for you up until a certain point now if you want to keep doing it you have to figure it out yourself and um that is just the way that the music industry is going honestly because you know I read like Nile Rogers um autobiography that was a, a Christmas present from my auntie thanks auntie Wendy I loved it <laughs> um and basically, yeah, you know, he's he's recently done, you know, like obviously the big uh, get lucky with Daft Punk. He was kind of the mastermind behind that.
0: Daft Punk, yeah, 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 I remember. that.
1: Yeah. but he also had this like long and illustrious career of like, you know, um, of of being part of Chic. This like this band, and you know, and like you you read these stories, and it's like you know we got together in the studio started hammering out a line, Like I just did some like guitar riffs over the top. We like sang some stuff, like pressed it to vinyl and it sold like, th- it went like triple platinum and went and sold <laughs> like 300 million physical copies. And then we went and bought ourselves sports cars and we're just like rolling down the highway, living the life, you know? Um, so, it, you know, it, there was a time and I think, you know, um, there was this sort of expectation that like in the music industry, um, You know, you make the, you be creative and fabulous and you make the music yourself and then everything else will be sort of arranged for you. Everything will be provided for you. Somebody else is going to come and pick you up and make that happen. Um, And what's happened nowadays is is that that's completely transformed and that, that kind of thing happens to very, very few people Um, and uh, it, it still does happen. But then you know, some of the biggest artists in electronic music today are people who gave away their music for free all the time and and collected donations from people who wanted to give them instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grammatic, who's one of the kind of biggest electronic artists nowadays, does kind of like cool kind of stoner chill beats and, you know, all, these, like, all this really fun music, lots of live instrumentation and stuff. Um, you know, he gave away his album on BitTorrent. He's like, you know, go use these these platforms that people have, typically used to pirate people's music and just access my music on there. Like, you know, um, and so, yeah, like people are just doing it all themselves. And, uh, so that I think is what's changed, you know? And, um, so yeah, I think, uh, yeah, for me it was, it was having that one of the hardest struggles I had was sort of reinventing all these systems. Um, these, and also I think, um, I think when, when the whole music world moved from UK and Europe to North America, um, it transformed everything. It transformed the motivations of music. It transformed the music that people were uh, giving all their attention to. Um, And everyone who'd been relatively involved in the music world before that had to reinvent themselves. And sometimes it was really ugly. You know, sometimes people like very drastically changed their sound overnight to sort of adapt to this new EDM culture that was, that was rising um, in the USA. Um, And that's something that, uh, you know, I think everyone in our world, like the, the Angina beats world and the trance world, like some people did that to an extent, you know, some people dabbled in that some people reinvented themselves completely. Um, I, I think a good, a good example, uh, that I will cite here is, um, is tritonal actually, cause they were sort of in the trance world and then they are now sort of soaring in the soaring high in the pop world and this kind of poppy electronic music world. Um, there'd be some good, good guys to get on the show actually, um, about, but so yeah, this this kind of having to be a phoenix rising from the from the ashes, you know, you, like so, and so that I think was. I love the hearing those progress. stories. <laughs> yeah, you know, is um yeah. Sometimes everything has to burn down, and, and like if you're not ready for that, <laughs> it sucks. You know, it's 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 a really hard thing because, I think especially as a, as an artist, like your music is so attached to your identity, and if you, if your music stops having the impact that it used to, you feel like you're, you feel like you're you're disappearing. You know, you feel like your 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 very identity is um is kind of not as as prominent and as strong as it used to be so yeah um
0: that's crazy it's it's good to hear it's good to hear the struggles sometimes on I, I hear a lot of the same struggles with uh, people just in business uh, like CEOs but it's cool to to hear the actual struggles of a like a musician um you know you don't you don't hear that too often
1: yeah um well obviously we, we want to be presenting the best sides of ourselves you know yeah, absolutely. Um, that is the modern culture that we live in that we, we, you know, we want to project the, um, the highlight reel, as they say, you know, um, which is great. You know, obviously like the main reason you want to do that is because that's how you get business. You want, you want people to see, Mm -hmm. you know, you, they want, you want people to see you at your best. Um, you know, but then you also have to, I think you have to be kind of graceful about dealing with the ugly sides of navigating through business, you know? Um, and that involves like not airing your dirty laundry in public, you know, like there have been a few times, um, you know, people have like ripped us off or whatever. And this question has come out, should we be calling these people out? Should we be, you know, should we, should we be taking them down, you know? Um, and you know, you, you have to be somewhat graceful about this stuff and, and, uh, and sort of just let it go and move on, you know? Um, cause the, the, these people are not worth the oxygen or the time.
0: Yeah. They're, they're not worth <laughs> that energy, you know? Um, oh, I love it. I, I love you talking about uh, being graceful and and humble um, and not, you know, kind of turning turning the other cheek. Sometimes I know it's tough, man. Trust me, I know it's it's hard. You, you get burned, and uh, it's just a lot of. Uh, it's. I mean, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of crazy people in the world. Uh, they're they're not all gonna agree with you, and they all have their different uh, ways of doing things. And you know, unfortunately, we live in a in a really selfish society, um, especially when when it comes down to to money um i think it's it's tough I, I think everyone goes through it but um you know and and this leads me to to one of my final questions actually is is aside from being you know graceful and humble in what you do as a, as a, a dj and producer what tips would you really give to future uh musicians i would say in the scene for them to to get to the level where you're at, what, what three tips would you really give them?
1: Um, I would say, don't be afraid to make it all about you because when you're in the public space and, and people, uh, you're up on this pedestal and people are looking at you for attention. Mm -hmm. I think it's really good to, to have that self-confidence and to, you know, do some things for yourself. You know, I always thought I had to be so selfless and that I had to sort of keep everybody happy and, you know, and, you know, provide this service to people. But what I realized is that, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a crime to, to do it for your own, you know, satisfaction or to, or to, you know, um, Absolutely. To, to, to make things work better for you, you know? So I think, yeah, that's, that's one thing I sort of realized is, is, you know, don't be afraid to be a little bit selfish sometimes, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and make it for you because this is your experience, you know? Um, I would say, keep your finances in order, like, like, like you were saying before, like, you know, save your pennies, you know, and make sure that you have, you know, a plan B or an exit strategy. Yeah. And the other thing I would, I think the third thing I would say is it has to be fun. And if you're in survival mode, if you're, if you're singing for your supper, your music is going to, is going to, uh, the quality is going to be sacrificed. Um, and the only way that you're going to do your best work is if you're in this flow and you know, you have the freedom and the space to do things how you want. And so people get so, you know, and once again, this is about like, you know, we have to wear many hats nowadays. You Mm -hmm. have to spend a lot of time administrating the career and, and orchestrating it and making it all happen. But I think when you're in that creative headspace, you just have to let all of that go and you have to let, you have to really remove any attachment to this idea of it needs to end up in this certain place. It needs to be this certain level of successful the only way that you're going to write your best music is if you let all that go and just allow yourself to have a good time.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, and you know, Steve Jobs says, it. Uh, don't quote me exactly, but he says something like this in regards to being a leader um, and being an entrepreneur is the, the passion that you have is that that's what's going to really take you uh, past these struggles, you know, cause we're, we taught, you mentioned some struggles before and when you're at your lowest point, you said, um, having fun and being passionate and, and loving what you do is what's going to really, um, is what's going to get you past that, you know, and, and everyone's going to have their lows. But I think once you, once you pass that, that's when you're really gonna, gonna see, um, just, uh, a, a massive positive change in your career, um, you know, and Steve jobs and a lot of these, a lot of these other leaders around the world talk about that, that it's just really the, the passion and the fun that you have and what you do is what's going to get you past these really, really difficult times. Um, so I think that's, that's pretty amazing that you said that, but, uh, cool, man. We'll really appreciate it. So just kind of closing things out, uh, James, I always ask the three hows. Uh, so how do you define failure? How do you define entrepreneurship and how do you define success?
1: <laughs> the, great question. Um, I think failure is uh, a discovery of the fact that reality is out of sync with your perception of it. I think you only ever know 50% of reality and the other, the other 50% is painfully revealed to you as you go along. Wow. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think failure is discovery. It's discovery that your perception of, of who you are and what you think is going to work is, um, still requires more effort (laughs) and more, more discovery. Um, Mm -hmm. and failure is discovery. And it's, you know, as, as I think we've really established in the last decade is it's the pathway to success, you know, Mm -hmm. um, entrepreneurship I think is about a willingness to do whatever it takes, um, and to think outside of the box, you know, um, I saw a great talk on uh, ADHD recently about how people with ADHD, people who, uh, struggle with focus and attention are more likely to start their own businesses and their own startups.
0: I think I heard that somewhere too actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: so I think entrepreneurship is really about, uh, thinking outside of the preconceived, uh, frameworks and structures that we have. And Mm -hmm. I think there are benefits to doing both, you know? Um, and so for me, yeah, like it's always been chaos. It's always been reinventing the wheel. Um, and yeah, having a willingness to just, um, do whatever it takes, uh, you know, without necessarily knowing the way. Um, and success I think, uh, is the definition of success is getting closer to yourself, you know, whatever form that takes. So if you, I think if you're writing music that you hate and you're making $10 million out of it, it's not you really know, success, million, is it? No, it's not, you know? Um. So yeah, I think success is, is the truth. It's the truth of who you are. And, uh, you know, I think the closer that you get to that, the the more fulfilled you feel.
0: That's awesome, man. Oh, that was a first for all those three answers. I love it. I, I, I don't like it when every, kind of the people answer the same way, uh, but uh, especially the failure piece. I think that was, uh, that was pretty cool to think about. It's really discovering yourself. You know, if everything's working perfectly for you, how are you really going to find yourself? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I, lo- I yeah. love it, man. That, that's, that's amazing stuff. Uh, so, James, where can everyone find you, man? Your, po- your podcast, your website, uh, social media?
1: Um, I, I can totally do my radio voice bit here because I've said it about a million do times. Do but it, do you it, do can subscribe to my show anytime as a podcast over at jtechmusic.com or over at soundcloud.com forward slash jtechmusic. Um, you can give me some internet love at facebook.com forward slash jtechofficial, um, Instagram jtechmusic, Twitter jtechmusic. Just um, yeah, just hit me up on any of those. Um, I may even answer. I'm pretty. I'm getting better at that now. At actually, <laughs> at actually responding to people. So yeah. Um, I'm always open to uh, interesting ideas, interesting opportunities, and if anyone even just needs some advice on you know, something that they're trying to figure out with their music, um, hit me up.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, James, Jimbo, <laughs> I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Uh, truly an honor you taking the time out of your uh, crazy schedule to, to be with me today. And uh, I know you got a show tonight in Portland, Oregon. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Cool. 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 Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. This is Michael Giorgio, your host on Tills from the Pros. And until next time. Thanks, guys.